0: Hello, welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews. I'm Sam Mall, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Michael Schlein right here in this lovely hotel in the, we're near Chinatown, I think, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're outside because why not? <laughs> we want to hear the ambient noise of New York, but this is really going to be a pleasure uh, for me personally. Um, we were talking right before the interview, Michael, about how 11FS really does um, focus a lot and talk a lot about financial inclusion. Accession is... Really, a, a bear, a gold standard bear, in our opinion, globally for this. Thank you. And you've had a very interesting career that we'll tie back to both in banking and in financial inclusion. But we really want to start with the company. So, if, if you won't mind for our listeners, kind of give us the overview of what is Accession, what's your focus, what's the mission. So, um, Axion is a global nonprofit that is focused on
1: creating a financially inclusive world. We started in 1961, um, largely as a private sector Peace Corps. Uh, which was quite extraordinary because the Peace Corps had not yet been created. And we did community development for several years, but in the early 70s, in Brazil, we said our clients need more than community development, they need capital. We started experimenting making very small loans to the poor, found they could repay them 97% of the time, and then we built a string of nonprofits in almost every Latin American country to make small loans to the poor, microfinance, microcredit, Um, And we built those into terrific institutions. And in 1992, in what was really a seminal event in our field, we created the world's first for-profit bank for the poor in Bolivia. And that's the first time um, that the the capital markets uh, were harnessed for social impact in financial inclusion. And so all of a sudden... Um, Banco Seoul had been doing very well as a nonprofit, but all of a sudden it took off all of a sudden it had access to the debt markets, the equity markets it could hire talent in a new way um, and it really took off. We went back to all those nonprofits and recreated them as for profits and we saw the power of harnessing the capital markets for social change. Uh, we since then have expanded throughout. Um, several countries in Africa, India, China, the Philippines, most recently Myanmar. And of course, in the last decade, we've really focused on fintech, but still
0: the same mission of trying to create a financially inclusive world. So you handed me a, a graphic right before we started that shows just from the Venture Lab portfolio, and it literally covers everywhere. You need Australia, New Zealand, but I'm sure that's on the... We're on working America. on it. I bet, I, I bet. But it's literally all over the place. I, I was reading a little bit um, three companies that I'm fascinated um, by that I've, I've had the um, opportunity to talk with before you've worked with. So Pula is a great example of that. You mind talking a little bit about them and why yes. you invested?
1: Yeah. Oh, So um, absolutely. So fr- first of all, the, what I showed you was a map of um, what we call Axiom v- Venture Lab, right. which is our seed level investing. We're probably one of the leaders in the world in, for seed level investing in fintech for inclusion. Um, And we do that all around the world, and I I think we have systematically um, found some of the most innovative companies in the world all trying to harness new technologies to help service the needs of three billion people who are otherwise left out of the global financial system. Um, Pula is one of my favorites as well. Um, There's been a data revolution. When you're talking about servicing um, three billion people, we've gone from being data poor to being data rich. And obviously, uh, phones, um, well, there, there's all sorts of new sources of data. What Pula is very creative in using is satellite data. So working with GPS, right? Mm-hmm. GPS has changed all our lives. It used to be you'd, um, you'd use it occasionally. Now, I don't even cross the street without GPS. <laughs> well, there's a huge, you do live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> there's a huge satellite industry where the quality of the data in just the last few years has gone up astronomically and the price has plummeted. And Pula is using that and some other sources of data, but primarily that to provide insurance for um, smallholder, single-family, one-acre farmers. Uh, which, of course, much of the, of, of the much of poverty around the world are single-family farmers. Yeah. Um, Pula not only is creative in using data, but they're also working with um, uh, big manufacturers like Monsanto to distribute insurance. Uh, And what they do is with with GPS data, they can see when there's a flood. They can see when there's a drought. And they started out now they're in several countries, but they started out in Kenya where everything's on M-Pesa. And so they can make digital payments. So they're changing the economics of insurance and making people who have been uninsurable insurable. The partnership with Monsanto is very exciting. They have other partners like this as well. Um, How do you distribute insurance? They do it. When you buy the seed, you can buy seed or you can buy seed that comes with insurance. And then you have a QR code and you activate it. And then the seed that you plant from that, um, they know exactly where you are and they can insure your plot of land. So there's a lot of innovation there. Um, That's a great company, but just even more broadly, we're seeing such radical innovation that is allowing us to change the economics of providing financial services to people who have been left, otherwise been left out. And that's what's so exciting about this
0: moment in our history. So you've obviously seen my next question. And you touched on this at the beginning because Accession's been around since 1961. It's basically our entire lives. Nice coincidence, yes. right? Not, not telling everybody how old we are, yes. but essentially our lifetime. Yes. Um, so for over the 50 years, in your opinion, I think you've already answered this, are we getting any closer to actually achieving financial inclusion? Are the goalposts moving? And obviously, in some regards, you'd say yes, right? Absolutely. Um, so in the
1: last, the, the Global Findex, uh, published by the World Bank and um, the Gates, funded by the Gates Foundation, has shown that over the last decade, um, more than a billion people have uh, gained access to the global financial system, and that is an, an enormous first step, but only a first step. Having access to accounts is really important, but um, that's a far that's that's just the first step on a path towards real financial inclusion. Think about your own life; um, you have access to. Um, credit cards and debit cards and uh, swift, efficient, cheap payments. You have a safe place to save. You can get insurance. Well, for three billion people they lack all of that. They are invisible to the global financial system and the global financial system is invisible to them. Um, it's important that they gain access. That's generally a, a, a bank account, but it's so much more than that. They need, they need a safe place to save. They need appropriate insurance like Pula. They need um, um, remittances they need to make be able to make swift efficient payments they
0: need all the things that you need their lives would be so much easier if they had those tools that's that's our vision and it's really rethinking the model right so we, we talked to, i like pula an example you gave And there's toffee in india i know that you've invested in those examples of rethinking insurance a little bit where it's insurance for a moment of time right yeah. which goes against the model of annualized, you know, and over a 50-year period is set. If you think first. about it,
1: insurance is so complicated. The truth is I have insurance, but I don't exactly know what it covers. And I probably won't find out until there's some problem and then I'll have some dispute. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't exactly know what I'm insured for. Right. Um, Toffee is a very innovative company that is coming up with a way, of, just like the name implies, they're trying to make insurance bite-sized. So in dengue fever season, you can get insurance for dengue fever for that season, period. You pay a, a, a modest price, and you're insured for that. It's very, very specific. Um, bicycle insurance, and they sell it coupled with bicycles. A lot of people uh, use bicycles as their primary mode of transportation, and if it gets lost or stolen, they can't, they can't get to and from work, and they can't do their... Um, but you can get bicycle insurance for w- a year, uh, it's very finite, very specific, and so people know the value that they're getting. So insurance, insure tech is one of the
0: um, exciting new trends uh, that we're, we're seeing all around the world. I like that you talked talked about toffee a little bit because I think I read a quote that you had. I'm going to say you did this quote. Let's just go with it, okay? <laughs> you, can, you can claim sure. it. Sure. I think you said India, in the world of financial inclusion, is the center of the world right now. Absolutely. Still absolutely. Em- absolutely. Uh, more than that, I was
1: on a panel not, not all that long ago, and they said, tell me the three most exciting things in financial inclusion today. And I said, India, India, and India. And I would say, I was probably understating it, India has, um, I just got back from India, um, and we took several of our board members and friends of Axion, and um, we have 20 partners today in India. Uh, and we have invested over um, fifty million. If you, you have to look at several maps here, <laughs> well, it's, it's uh, just
0: one big orange spot. Yes, exactly. On the map. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, we have a lot going on, and, and we're just uh, uh, um, there's so much innovation going on. The government has really led the effort to create. Uh, a universal ID, the Mm Aadhaar, for 1.3 billion people that's biometric, Uh, and a whole series of innovations that they refer to as the India Stack has, um, it's a high priority for the Modi government and the Reserve Bank of India to create a financially inclusive India, and they're very, very supportive of innovation, and we're just seeing some (laughs) great, great creativity all trying to tackle some of the uh, most difficult problems.
0: So I'm going to ask you a hard follow-up question, and I apologize because Laura wrote this. So Laura, you get credit <laughs> for this question as usual. So globally, what's the biggest holdup then to financial inclusion? If all this is happening, what are the big blockers? That's a great question, actually. <laughs> See, <laughs> Thank Laura. you, Laura. Ask the good questions. Um, I just read them. Um,
1: there's, I, I, well, there's several things. Um, one is I, I think we've made progress around access, I do think the next level of all the additional, um, the broader array of financial services, um, that's the progress that we need to make and that's exactly what Axion is focused on. I think we have a long way to go. Um, I think we're in the early days of finding the innovations that are gonna change the world and bring all of those tools that you and I take for granted to three billion people. So I think think, um, um, we're seeing great innovation in
0: different places around the world, that's a long way away from bringing it all around the world. So we have a catchphrase at 11FS, i want to make David Bray, our CEO, so proud. We say that digital banking's only 1% finished. I so think is that's it right. fair to say financial inclusion's only 1% finished? I think that's right, that, that is how I see it. I, I think, um, um, and even
1: when you look at the access, though we've made great progress, many of those accounts are dormant. Um, hundreds of millions of, of those point. Accounts are dormant. So think about what does that mean? That means that account hasn't been used for a year. Now, if you have an account that hasn't been used for a year, what does it really mean? It means you received some, probably government benefit, and you took it out in cash, and you never went back, and you don't even think that you have that account. So it really is you're still living in a cash world. So we're 1% is probably right, and the, probably the biggest obstacle is, is the education that needs to happen um, as well as the evolution of the products and services
0: that people f- have the same tools that, again, here we take for granted. I feel a blog post coming on, Laura, definitely. Um, well, we're in New York. You are a New Yorker. I am. So we're, and it's uh, FinTech Week here in New York, first week of April. Can yes. you tell us specifically what Accession is doing in the U.S.? Sure. Sure. Uh, we are um, the largest micro-lending uh,
1: network in the United States, and we're a direct lender in the U.S. And we have affiliated in- entities uh, across the country. Um, and the market in the U.S. is a little bit different. We, we end up making uh, small loans roughly up to about $50,000. Uh, the banks here, it's a very well-banked country, obviously, but the banks generally are not interested in making loans below a million dollars. And they're only interested in making loans to people, to banks, to small entities that have three years of audited financials. So who gets left out? Um, minorities, women, uh, young people, um, immigrants. So people who are new to this country who don't have those three years of audited financials uh, or don't need that much capital, they need smaller amounts of capital. Um, so we are, we are we're very active here. Uh, plus, we're also active as a fintech venture capital investor. So for example, uh, and you can see a couple of those dots in the United States, Um, uh, Lendstreet is a great company based on the West Coast that is helping distressed borrowers work through their problems and and will lend to them at a time when no one else will and will help them improve their credit scores. Uh, Another one is um, Self Lender, which is um, uh, basically a forced savings product where you get a small loan and you put it straight into a CD. And then you make the payments for that loan, and at the end you have the value of the CD. Oh, I like that product. And it's it's a wildly popular product. Uh, people want to save, and people want to improve their credit. And on average, uh, over a certain amount of time, um, people see their FICO scores go up a hundred points. Oh, that's a so it's incredible very, very, jump. Yeah. yeah. So there's it's a little bit of a different market here. Our clients in. India or Nigeria, for example, are often getting access to financial services for the very first time. Our clients in the United States generally walk in with credit card debt and bad FICO scores, and so we have work to do to help them repair
0: their their debt and get on the right track. So we're in New York, you live in New York, you do a lot for New York. New York is more or less a nation. (laughs) It just is. It's a massive, massive, has a massive economy, has a massive population, And when it comes to financial inclusion, there's a ton of work you can do here. Uh, If I read right, you have served as the chairman of the New York City Economic Development Corporation for Mayor de Blasio? Correct.
1: Uh, The mayor and I met and have been good friends ever since um, the uh, Dinkins administration. And he asked me to chair the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Axiom is my day job. Uh, EDC (laughs) is my hobby. uh, Though I very much, it's a a small government-controlled corporation whose mission is to try to Um, energize and revitalize uh, uh, um, um, and strengthen the New York City economy and uh, though many people don't see them as related I think both Axion and EDC are um, catalysts um, and believers in market forces but believe that you can jumpstart those market forces. So I, I actually see them as very, very uh, related, though my friends in the international world don't really know my, about my interest in municipal government, and my friends in municipal government don't really <laughs> understand the internet. <laughs> but I see, I see them right? as very
0: related. You know, you have a very unique background that, for me, it just makes sense that you become the CEO of Accession. No, <laughs> I mean honestly, I mean you think about your background because you did quite a bit in the, like you said, the government space and in the political space, right? With Dinkins, yep. um, you've been with several different uh, mayors in the city. Uh, SEC, right? Uh, I worked Clinton in the administration. administration yeah, you worked. You were the chief no. of staff. It's okay. I'll, okay, I'll give you the the, you. the The credit there. So, I mean, you've you've worked on that side, and then you've worked in big banking. I mean, you had a very successful career at City. Um, you've worked with, I'm going to run through this list and you tell me if this is true or not. Jamie Dimon, Arthur Levitt, Robert Rubin, Chuck Prince have all been people you've worked with? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sandy
1: Weil and uh, John Reed, and uh, I, I've had
0: That's a, a great, great fortune. Like Andy Warhol t shirt.
1: <laughs> he says you should do that. Uh, Arthur Levitt at the SEC. Um, so, so, yes, I, I've, I feel very lucky in terms of the people I've gotten uh, to work pretty closely with and yeah. learn from. Um, I also um, feel very privileged to have the role I have now. And uh, you're, you're right, at least from my view, I, I spent a dozen years in public service, um, trying to make the world a better place. I spent a dozen years on Wall Street, highly transactional. I enjoyed it very much. Um, for me, Axion is, you know, combines the best of both worlds. We're trying to change the world and make the world better and day to day we're uh, doing venture capital investing and um, buying and building banks that are trying to bring financial services to people who otherwise would
0: be left out. How is the, if you look at, let's look at the U.S. for example, when it comes to the big banks, um, do you think we've made significant movement there in the, with the issue of financial inclusion and the big banks participating in that space? And you're looking up into the sky thinking about this answer, that's I a am. tough question. I am.
1: Um, (laughs) um, We're trying to change the banking system. So the banking system generally works pretty well for rich people and rich companies. And for the most part, it ignores billions of people at the base of the pyramid. Um, We are trying to show that you can bring financial services to those people who have been left out and do it on a commercially sustainable, Um, viable and profitable basis. That is what we're trying to show. And when we do that, the larger banks will start to be much more interested. And they are. And they are. Um, I think a lot, we partner with um, uh, MasterCard and JP Morgan and Citi and um, several of the, and and they're interested in our work because they're interested in trying to figure out how to service the needs of the base of the
0: pyramid. And they're also interested in the innovation that we're seeing all around the world. These are great sandboxes. They really are, those companies you're pointing to. And I think the banks, in in our opinion, at 11FS, have definitely realized that. They're they're companies worth looking at because they're addressing very unique, very narrow, and very very deep problems.
1: And and you're hearing it. um, So Ajay Banga is the CEO of MasterCard, and he is an enormous champion of financial inclusion. Um, sure. And he's not alone. Increasingly, you're seeing CEOs of major financial institutions pick up that mantle. Uh, I should mention, um, we, we've uh, partnered recently. We, we got um, the largest grant ever in Axiom's history uh, from the MasterCard Center for, uh, for Inclusive Growth. Um, and our mission is to reach 10 million people and small businesses uh, and help digitize financial service providers, small banks uh, in order to meet the needs of merchants um, uh, who again are left out. And so it's a very ambitious program. It's the first of its kind in the world and we're trying to, by by transforming the small banks,
0: we can reach these very small mom-and-pop shops who today are living in a cash world. You know I don't think a lot of people realize, especially when you're talking about the single business owners, the vast percentage that are women that are driving that too globally, the impact you can make from that standpoint is incredible. Absolutely, there's a a huge gender issue. Um,
1: Most of our clients are are, are women and um, they are left out of the banking
0: system all around the world. Uh, We see that everywhere. So you became CEO in 2009, right? Is that correct? You were on the board before that, you were involved in the CEO search and then your wife looked at you, is this a true story and said, why aren't you applying for this? Uh, yes. <laughs> although, although if you know my wife... she gets all the credit. No, if you know my
1: wife, she said it with a slightly different edge. <laughs> um, um, when I first was uh, being asked to join the board, uh, so my wife I met in the Clinton administration, she was a speechwriter for both um, uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, and she had done some research on Axion and written a speech that Hillary Clinton gave, and, um, and then I was being recruited to join the board long before I was CEO. Mm-hmm. And she basically politely said, they want you? <laughs> <laughs> and she yeah, sort of honest. said the same thing yeah. when, uh, when uh, uh, yes, yeah, she was very supportive. <laughs> um, she also spent years in government and in the private sector and then um, uh, worked at UNICEF for the last eight years. And so we, we're, we're tri-sector,
0: the private sector, the public sector, and the nonprofit sector. Oh, that's sector. incredible. Yeah. yeah, a little power couple. I love that. It's, uh, it's very New York, <laughs> the two of you, in a very good way. Um, so you joined in two thousand and nine. That was interesting times in the world, you know. Especially when you said, "You know what? I think we're going to focus on financial inclusion." Coming right out of the financial crash, challenging to step in then.
1: Yes, um, yes. You like it a challenge, is, obviously. No, it is. Uh, it, 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 it's a, the way you phrase the question is very interesting. Um, at a time when the global banking system was probably more criticized than ever in my lifetime. True. Um, here, we were trying. We're trying to bring financial services to billions of people who are left out, and there's a little tension between the two of them. But I, I think it's easily reconciled. Um, we saw people in the United States lose their home, right? The mortgage yeah. market—something I never thought could happen, but it was, but it was happening, and you know, to many, many people. Um, and we all know we need to fix things, and we need to fix, them. But, it's, but the answer is you don't get rid of the mortgage market, you fix the mortgage market. Right. And so we're trying to fix the financial services industry and so that it works for everyone. Today, it doesn't. Today, it ignores, you know, three billion people. Um, we do, for the first time in history, have the tools to change that. Um, you, you see that whole portfolio of, of innovative companies they're, they're all very, very exciting. Some of them are going to fail, and some of them are going to change the world. And we don't know which, but we're set up as an investor, and we invest and support and help build these, these,
0: um, these partners, and some of them, I really do think, can change the world. Yeah, I think that's a, an excellent point. Is talking about coming out of 2009 and technology and the advances we've made and, and how you can impact individuals' lives with those tools. Right. So it's just not tools for those that have wealth right it's it's looking at all aspects and bringing them in and again i'm looking at this lab portfolio the on venture lab portfolio you showed me i just saw air on here i love them too i, I didn't realize air coming oh, out air. of the, the UK. Yeah. that's a fantastic company yeah i mean on all of these are it, it's what do you think has been maybe the one or two key technologies that have driven this i mean mobile's an easy thing to say obviously
1: uh, there's a, why is this happening now? Yeah. Um, certainly the mobile phone revolution is, is amazing. So of those 3 billion people, something like 80% of them have uh, access to uh, cell phones, and increasingly they have access to smartphones. More than, so, I think,
0: toothbrushes and toilets, if I heard the Gates Foundation exactly, say exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. so
1: that's a very, very powerful tool. Um, second is the connectivity that, that is behind all that, but also um, cloud computing. Um, is allowing innovation to happen in remote locations. Uh, So there's a whole series of innovations. And of course, it's transforming our lives um, in the developed world, but it has enormous um, um, repercussions and potential impact at the base of the pyramid all around the world. Literally, um, when you're thinking about financial services for the poor, um, it used to be that distances were thought to be insurmountable. Today... No distance is insurmountable. Um, It used to be that transaction sizes were thought to be too small to be commercially viable. Now there's no such thing. There's no transaction size that's too small to be commercially viable. It used to be hard to know your customer, which in financial services you have to know your client in order to to lend to them or provide them the basic financial services. Now we have data and data analytics that that are allowing us to know our clients in new ways. So it's a very exciting time. But again, there's a lot of innovation. Some of it's going to work. Some of it's not going to work. Some of it
0: truly can change the world. So so we live in very... Interesting times from a geopolitical standpoint. I, I'm just about as deep as I will go into that comment. Um, but, I mean, you, you, had, you had that background in politics. So it, it's interesting, though, when early on, I think right at the beginning, you talked about this, some of the, the countries that you're going into. You mentioned Miramar, for example. Yep. So, again, this, what is it about challenges that really put – so can you talk a little bit about that? What is it about the challenge? Because, I mean, again, from a geopolitical standpoint, that's a, that's a tough spot right now? Well, Myanmar has 50 million people,
1: uh, enormous poverty, um, and uh, they've been left out of the world for 50 years, and they also are sandwiched between India and China, so they know what progress looks like, and um, they are rapidly trying to innovate and enter the world. And yes, there's no question there are challenges in Myanmar that um, are unlike other places in the world and and, uh, of great concern. but we try. We don't. We don't work um, very much with the governments. We tr- are trying to work with the people, and we've worked in very difficult places all around the world. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but our goal is to provide financial services to the people who are left out, and there are tens of millions of people in Myanmar, and so we. You know, um, it would be nice if we could only work in uh, friendly um, yeah, um, countries, but poverty is where it is. It, 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 you, know, you have to go where the, where the people are. Uh, that means working in difficult places. We've worked in um, Colombia, when Colombia was, was a very difficult place. Today, Colombia is lovely, way. Yeah. but, <laughs> but uh, back then, we were in Bogota when Bogota was pretty dangerous. Uh, so we're willing to work in difficult places and go places
0: other people aren't for our mission. So it's, it's always refreshing when you do a lot of research on someone and then you get to talk to them and key messages that they've had out there for years keep coming back. So the word mission is one of them because I think you talked about the former CEO of Accession telling you that piece of advice, it's about the mission. It's about the mission. Stay focused on the mission.
1: Yes. And keep that at the
0: heart of what you do.
1: Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm very close to some of my predecessors and they are great advisors. And I do think that... Um, Um, Keeping focus on the mission is very, very important, Uh, and it's different than the the organization. Um, And I'll give you an example. Um, Our mission is to create a financially inclusive world. For many years, for decades, we were in the microfinance business, uh, and we could have just stayed there. But really, the mission took us to new forms of technology and new ways of supporting them. Uh, Microfinance is terrific. Microfinance as an industry has reached 200 million people. um, But I think it's these new technologies that are going to help us to reach billions. So keeping track of the mission. And that was a wrenching change for us. We had to move from what we were good at to things that we were not good at and make that evolution. But
0: um, yes, it's all about the mission. So I've kind of already bled into this second-to-last question, which was talking about the learnings you've gained over your career, and especially take, uh, take a look over the past years at Accession, and, and obviously mission being critical for that. But if you could give one other life lesson that you got from that, in a leadership role, that you, if you were to look to some, you're pre- the next one who's going to replace you, when you sit across the table, you write them that letter, what would you include in there besides mission?
1: So... Um
0: 30 years strategy, from Strategy,
1: <laughs> but not just having a clear strategy, but having a clear and well understood strategy. I think that um, people um, often, <laughs> I, I've been in organizations where uh, if you ask the top leaders what the strategy was, you'd get multiple articulations of it, and I've come to believe that if the top people in the organization can't articulate the strategy the same way, then you don't have a strategy. And so um, having a strategy that is clear, well understood, easily articulated so that everybody knows it is really, really important. It's not, you can't just, if you have a brilliant strategy that's 500 pages and no one can articulate it, you don't have a strategy. Um, But if you have a strategy that people understand all the way through the organization and outside of the organization, then it becomes more and more self-fulfilling. I'll give you an example we made a significant um, bet on early stage fintech, specifically seed and then early in growth stage. Um, And the more we were out there, the more it became self-fulfilling. We've worked hard to find these innovative companies. Now I believe they find us. And that's from having a clear, well-articulated strategy. I do think that if you're an innovative fintech company trying to do financial inclusion, you call us because we're willing to uh, invest and support you. And that's, a, that's all about a clear strategy that's well-articulated. I think I, I, I can never underestimate, um, you
0: can never, uh, that, that's very, very important to the yeah. success of the organization. So speaking of finding you, what is the best way for you know, FinTech companies and those interested in the mission to find out more about Accession and what you do? So, um, Axion now has a
1: great and relatively recent new website uh, for years, um, we had an archaic one that was ridiculous because we're working with some of the most cutting-edge technologies and our website looked like a bunch of PDFs that, you know, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was painful. Uh, but finally now, um, axion.org, www.accion.org, uh, and it's a pretty cool website that shows the impact of our work and, and the scope of our work. And, again, we work all around the world with some of the most innovative companies uh, in the world, um, and so I, I do think you can learn a lot from, from
0: there. Hopefully it's a useful tool for people. Well, Michael, we really appreciate the time, love the mission of the company, and love the advice that you gave. Terrific. For those of you that are listening, look up the site, ACCION. It is good. It, is a, it shows how storytelling is so important. Um, As always, for us, we love telling stories, so you can find out more about the show on Twitter at Fintech Insiders. And if you like what you heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and give us, of course, a five-star review on iTunes. If you have any suggestions or feedback, reach out to Twitter or email podcast at 11FS.com. And again, Michael, thank you so much. We appreciate it.